Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Today is Wednesday, August 23rd. Today, I'm going to spend some time talking about the snare of offense. I don't know if you guys are noticing, but there's a lot of really offended Christians walking around in the culture today. And I'm going to give you a little bit of insight into what the Bible has to say about the snare or the trap of offense. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, so I've got a couple of things on my heart today, but before I get to them, I want to remind you, we are actually having a little party over here at the Heidi St. John podcast. We are celebrating this week the 500th episode of the Busy Mom podcast, and so we are going to be giving away some stuff. So that's the bottom line. There is something in it for you. So if you will use the hashtag HSJpodcast at Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest, um, our staff is busy collecting those names, and we are going to be giving away some Becoming MomStrong swag, and the grand prize is going to be a brand new necklace that we are expecting to come any day now. So we're excited about that. We're going to be giving away a couple copies of the book and uh, several other things that I have created over the years uh, through the ministry at The Busy Mom. So um, use the hashtag HSJpodcast and leave a review for The Busy Mom Podcast. Tell people why you love it and why you're listening to it, and we will enter your name for a chance to win some Busy Mom swag. Um, Also want to remind you that if you haven't left a review for us at iTunes, we are actually counting those. So you can go over to the iTunes store and search for the Heidi St. John or the Busy Mom podcast and leave us a review and all of those names are going to be entered into the drawing. The winners are going to be announced this Friday on the blog. So head on over to your social media outlets and help us spread the news. My passion really is to uh, bring you back to the Word of God for every situation that we're facing in the culture today. And also want to remind you that um, I've got a brand spanking new scripture writing challenge that's going to start on uh, actually a week from Friday on September 1st, the whole month of September, I am dedicating to uh, parenting and starting the year off right by helping you become strong in your parenting. And that is really the focus of the scripture writing challenge for September. If you want that email to you, it's free. You just need to subscribe to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash scripture writing, and we will make sure that you get those in your email. If you have a question that you would like us to respond to, or talk about on Mailbox Monday, please email that to us, podcast at thebusymom.com. All right, I want to talk about offense today because I am offended. (laughs) I'm having a hard time not being offended at all the people who are offended. And I took it before the Lord the other day, and I actually finally went ahead and wrote a, a post on it for the blog yesterday, and you probably already saw it. But I am calling it a devastating distraction. This uh, this idea that we as Christians are allowing ourselves to be offended over literally everything. I have never seen such vitriol uh, toward a president in my entire life. And I'll tell you what, I was no fan of Barack Obama, but I never would have attacked him the way that Trump is being attacked in the mainstream media. 
media and by other Christians around the country right now. It's amazing to me to see how the enemy is distracting us from what's really important. And so the latest distraction and the thing I want to talk about today is what's been happening since the horrible attacks in Charlottesville, Virginia, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Last week, and actually it's been about a week and a half now, uh, we saw the beginning of a really violent turn in our discussion and argument over the Civil War statues that are kind of dotted throughout the South. You know, the statues of the Confederate soldiers and Robert E. Lee and blah, 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 blah. And I, part of me is just like, well, can we get rid of the statue of Margaret Sanger that is gracing the Smithsonian? Since she is the founder of Planned Parenthood and is super into eugenics and was just as soon get rid of your Down syndrome child before it ever had a chance to take a breath. Why, why is her statue up? There are so many reasons for us to be distracted and offended in the culture right now. And I actually think something more sinister is behind it. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about for just a few minutes today. Because last week, while the demons were pouring gasoline on the racial tensions in the United States and reigniting our deep fence toward the Confederate Army, Governor Kate Brown of Oregon quietly signed the nation's most devastating abortion bill into law. That actually happened. And so while we're marching in the streets about the Civil War and and uh, are disgust at slavery, which is, we should be disgusted, right? Slavery is disgusting. Raci- racial uh, division and racism is uh, really an abomination to God who sees us all the same and created us in his image, black, white, Filipino, Chinese. He created us in his image and racism is not from God and the church should and rightfully did condemn it. But last week, just days after the horrible events in Charlottesville took place, Oregon made sure its position was secure as the most radical provider of unrestricted abortions in the nation. Oregon's House Bill 3391B compels, in other words, forces insurers, public or private, to provide a whole swath of, quote, reproductive services free of cost, regardless of income, insurance type, citizenship status, or gender identity. By the way, the bill will also pay for your sex change surgery, in case you're wondering. Because this particular bill prohibits insurers from shifting costs to customers in the form of higher deductibles or co-pays, private insurers will be forced to eat the costs. And really what's going to happen, you guys, is they're more likely to distribute those among their customers through higher premiums. In other words, Medicaid, which in, is basically just code in this in this case for Planned Parenthood, is now going to receive an extra $10 million from the state of Oregon to cover abortion and sex change procedures. Just let that let that sink in for just a minute. That's $10 million of Oregonians' money going to the murder of innocent babies up to nine months gestation for any reason, including gender selection. Which, a side note, I find amusing since a large part of the Oregon population has decided that gender is fluid. But if you decide that the baby that you're carrying inside you is a boy and you rather have a girl, that gender's not fluid. They'll let you abort for that reason. It's disgusting. Now, the major media outlets aren't talking about this American tragedy. Nope, because they're too busy trying to stir up an angry debate about slavery that was decided during the Civil War. You guys, it's like we forgot who won the war. The outcome of the Civil War determined that slavery in this nation will not stand. And indeed, it does not. 
And it's curious to me that the old statues that are getting the attention of popular preachers and teachers um, is making headlines, while this news of abortion, the horrific murder of babies in the womb that is happening right now, not during the time of the Civil War, actually happening now, is getting little to no pulpit time, little to no blog time. We're screaming and yelling about about, uh, statues and arguing and igniting racial tension. And the silence about what happened in Oregon last week is deafening. Where's the outrage over that? Black women are aborting their babies at an alarming rate when you compare them to any other culture in America, and we want to march about statues? Really? We are losing thousands of precious black babies every year in this country. Feminists, where are you? This should matter. Why are Christians so offended? I I am amazed at how the devil is so good at at, uh, distracting us, at taking us off course, at telling us this thing is important, when really the really big deal, the murder of innocent babies in the United States is going largely unchecked and unmeasured. And the standard by which we measure offense as Christians has got to be recalibrated. We have lost our way, men and women of God. We've made an idol out of our right not to be offended. Tell me, what good is going to come out of this? Do we really want to teach our children to march in the streets because we're offended over statues while real live babies are callously being ripped from their mother's wombs? I feel the same way about this that I did about the Women's March. Don't you dare speak for me, Women's March. This idea that we have to be at each other's throats because one person's black, another person's is white is a trap from the pit of hell. Listen, offense is a trap, you guys, a snare that's set by the devil to distract us from what really matters. And we are stepping in almost every trap the devil is setting right now. I said in my blog that it seems like every time I turn on the news, another trap is springing shut. Bam! Can you hear it? The Bible teaches us that we are to be on guard against the snares of the enemy. And one of those snares is the snare of offense. And so I wrote about this uh, in my book, Becoming Mom Strong. I hope you guys will pre-order it. Um, I hope it changes an entire generation of women and turns their heart back to what's really important uh, because this is a big deal. And at the risk of boring you, I looked something up. The Greek word for offense is scandalon which literally means the part of an animal trap where bait is hung. In other words, offense is literally a trap that is set by the devil. And we need to understand this deep in our souls and guard against it. Because if we're in a battle, and the Bible clearly says that we are, it makes perfect sense that the devil would choose to use offenses to trap and enslave us. Satan lays all kinds of traps for us, and I am convinced he hunts among the hurting. And boy, are we hurting right now. We had a president in office for eight years because we wanted hope and change, and now we've got a new one in office because we want to make America great again. But the truth is, unless and until we engage in repentance as the Christian community and turn back to God, the change that we so desperately want will elude us. It starts with repentance. So think about this. When people offend us, we get angry and we hold grudges and grudges lead to unforgiveness, which lead to broken relationships, or in this case, uh, racial division. And the fact of the matter is that many offenses are going to come our way in this life. And when they do, we have a chance to choose how we're going to respond. 
We can choose to not be offended. In Colossians 3, verse 13, the Apostle Paul reminds us that we should bear with one another. He said, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also must you. And there's more because while we're allowing ourselves to get drugged into the swamp of offense, a coup is taking place. We've forgotten how to keep our eyes on the real enemy and the real enemy is not the Confederate army. It's not a statue that's been there for a hundred years. The real enemy is the devil who comes, the Bible says, to kill and steal and destroy. And right now he's taking direct aim at our unity in Christ. Listen, offense is one of the enemy's most powerful weapons and its primary purpose is to keep us in from growing in power and strength in the Lord. Offended people are ineffective, in the spiritual battle that we've been called to engage in, because when we are offended, we focus only on our own pain and often at the expense of others. Charlottesville much? The devil is using the snare of offense in the culture right now to take Christians off the battlefield and ultimately out of the war. His goal is to sideline Christians who would otherwise be an effective witness for the Lord. The Bible teaches us that a heart that is easily offended is in trouble. It's a biblical truth that the pure in heart hear from God more readily than those who are full of bitterness. Matthew 5 verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And a heart that is full of offense and unforgiveness isn't a pure heart. If we want to hear from God, we have got to learn to refuse to allow offenses rule and reign in our lives, even the big ones. Even the big ones. I wrote about this at length in Becoming Momstrong because, listen, I understand there's no question forgiving the big things is hard, but Jesus, who knows all too well the pain of rejection, doesn't give us an option. He made it clear we are to forgive anything against anyone. Mark 11, verse 25. And when you stand praying, If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So that's why I said it's astonishing to me to see well-known pastors standing up in front of statues and basically proclaiming our offense rather than, than saying, listen, we have been forgiven much. We have been forgiven much. And therefore, Jesus is saying, you are required to forgive. He didn't give us an option. So the next time you find yourself struggling with the feeling of offense, I don't care if it's over a statue uh, in Alabama or or if it's because some guy cut you off on the freeway or because some guy shared your meme on social media and didn't give you credit for it. The next time you find yourself struggling with offense, ask yourself, does this offense warrant the emotional and spiritual energy that I am giving it? Or is there a larger issue in play? Am I doing what Jesus commanded? Listen, Jesus' requirement that we forgive, it it carries eternal consequences with it, and the devil knows it. And Satan loves it when we get drawn into offenses because he's got his sight set on a much bigger target, the human soul. And he'll use whatever he can to distract us from the goal of setting people free in Christ. And that's the bottom line. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, verse 3, to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's the Holy Spirit in us that encourages unity in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, If in one spirit 
We were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. And listen, Christians who proclaim Christ, cherish the truth, and love others should also pursue unity because we have been designed by God and called to be ambassadors for him. That means we are witnesses to the world of the love of Christ. I just want to ask you today if you're doing that in your own life. Are you allowing yourself to be easily offended? Are you sharing things on Facebook that are pouring gasoline on a fire? Or are you saying, Christians, wake up. We have been forgiven much. We are called to forgiveness. We are called to unity. The Apostle John has made it really clear what our aim should be. In John 13, he said, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We have got to stop making government our God and turn to our first love. And until we do, healing will elude this nation. John Piper wisely said that the bloodline of Jesus Christ is deeper than the bloodlines of race. The death and resurrection of the Son of God for sinners is the only sufficient power to bring the bloodlines of race into the single bloodline of the cross. So let's not forget what our call really is. It's to bring the gospel to a hurting world, and we can't do that unless we're willing to let the gospel eclipse everything else in our lives. That is something worth marching for. I hope you guys have been encouraged by the podcast today. I would love to hear from you. You can email me, podcast at thebusymom.com. Don't forget to share the hashtag HSJ podcast. Share this on social media. And from now until Friday morning, we will be entering your name into a drawing. Woo, woo. We're excited about that. Also, don't forget that I'm going to be speaking. The MomStrong Conference is coming to many of y'all's neck of the woods. I will be speaking in North Carolina, in Charlotte, North Carolina, on October 6th. 6th and 7th, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the 27th and 28th of October, and in uh, Kansas City, Missouri on the 3rd and 4th of November. Tickets are on sale right now for $39.95 a piece, and I hope that you guys will come. Someone asked me the other day if nursing babies were welcome, and of course they are. Uh, don't forget, I have seven children. <laughs> so bring your nursing babies, bring your Bible, get ready to be encouraged. And can I just encourage you one more time today? Let's come together as men and women who have been forgiven much. And we have been given much. And to whom much is given, much is required. Let's ask the Lord for unity and to ask Him to help us not to be offended over things that don't carry with them eternal significance. I appreciate you listening to me today, and I will see you back here with my friend Aaron Odom on Friday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com. Mm-hmm.